0: We're in our third episode this year, week three, 2021. Before I begin, I would like to thank you all for your tremendous support. Last week, I sent out a draft of a bipartisan congressional letter from Representatives Clyburn, Klobuchar, Wahlberg, and Thune that encourages the FCC to highly scrutinize the RDOF long form applications to ensure that the technologies and network designs proposed will deliver the broadband performance promise to rural America. I received strong positive responses from our members and you guys stepped up by reaching out to your congressional representatives. Thank you. That letter was sent yesterday to the FCC and it was signed by over 157 members of the House and Senate. So thank you guys for that. The Fiber Broadband Association and NTCA will be filing studies with the FCC to help provide a technical basis for evaluating these long forms. All right, so back to our regularly scheduled program. This morning, we're going to speak with John Paul of Spiral Fiber on his journey to get rural broadband in Nevada City. Before I formally introduce John, I'd like to introduce Garrett Sheehan from our team who will walk us through some housekeeping items. Thank you, Gary, and good morning to those who have joined us. I'm going to quickly go over a few logistical items. Please keep in mind that all participants are in listen mode only. To ask a question, please type it into the question box located within your control panel. We will host a Q&A session towards the end. This presentation is being recorded and will be available to members on FBA's website within 24 hours. You can find the recording in the Events tab under the Fiber for Breakfast drop-down option. At the conclusion of the presentation, you'll be prompted to complete a brief feedback survey. We appreciate your input. With that, I'll pass it back to Gary to introduce our panelists and get us started. Thanks, Gary. And again, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. And today we're gonna be discussing the obstacle is the way, Nevada City's journey to get rural broadband. Joining us today is the chief business development officer and co-founder of Spiral Fiber, John Paul. John started his career as a graphic designer in San Francisco And after owning a number of design studios, he found his way to Nevada City, California. He's been a community leader, was recognized as the visionary of the year on his way to co-found Spiral Fiber and his quest to get rural broadband to Nevada City. So welcome, John. You've had quite a journey. I'm sure a few battle scars along the way. So let's jump right right in. And uh, I wanna make sure we have plenty of time for Q&A. And for our audience, You know, please type in your questions as we go. And at the conclusion, we'll start to ask some of those questions to John. So over to you, John.
1: Great, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me this morning. I realized this morning uh, that I've been a member of the Fiber uh, Broadband Association since 2011. So a long time, which is kind of cool. So, you know, people want to know, you can go to the next slide. Uh, People want to know where uh, Nevada Nevada City is. And we're, uh, we're kind of in Northern California. Um, about 60 miles from Sacramento, 84 from Reno, uh, n- near enough to San Francisco. And uh, just for those who need to know, about 206 miles from Burning Man, just so you know where we're at. Um, we're a rural area on the western slope of the Sierra Nevada mountains. So we're in the foothills. We're in a fa- high fire danger area. I was evacuated for the first time this summer for three days, which was quite scary. I thought I'd lose my home. Uh, luckily, they contained that fire. It was one of the smaller ones, and that didn't happen. Nevada County uh, looks like a pistol. It's the shape of the county. Uh, In the middle of the county is Tahoe National Forest, so nobody really lives, I'm sure people live there, but nobody with internet who needs internet (laughs) access lives there. Uh, And on the uh, western slope is Nevada City and Grass Valley. I live in Nevada City, and uh, those two towns are side by side. Uh, We have about um, 60,000 people living on the western side maybe a little probably more at this point that was a number of years ago and that's a photograph of downtown nevada city it's very charming we're a, a gold country town we're uh, uh the wild wild west in the 1850s i still think we're a little bit of the wild wild west uh we're kind of civilization at the edge of wilderness here in the sierra nevada so i, I came up with a term called fiberfication at one point uh, maybe somebody else did too but it popped into my head because i think this effort to actually build fiber networks to every household And business in the U.S. is like the electrification of the U.S. in the early uh, 20th century. And uh, it's not for the faint of heart, I'll tell you. (laughs) It's been a pretty grueling process. Uh, But I found uh, that the obstacles, you know, can really help you move forward if you look at them. I mean, this was a learning process for me. I didn't come from the telco uh, industry initially. But let's first show a video. This will give you kind of an overview of Nevada County, and I'll tell you a little about it while it's, it's playing. It's it's one we've done uh, uh, to promote uh, the project. It's called It Starts With Light. And you'll see some of the, this is what our foothills look like here. Uh, we're pretty forested uh, uh, and there's homes everywhere there. It's not just forest, that's not Tahoe National Forest. That's actually <laughs> my neighborhood. Um, and we're looking to bring fiber to these rural areas. And I think it's important uh, because for instance, our community started out with gold mining, of course, Uh, we were the first place where uh, the long distance telephone call was made because they were uh, making calls to San Francisco from the gold mines to let them know how process was working. We were the first one of the first communities to have electricity again because of the gold mines. And then in the 50s, uh, we had a company locate here called Grass Valley, uh, ironically Grass Valley Group, which is the neighboring town. And they're a video broadcast industry. And they um, have splintered off and splintered off. In fact, uh, that's one of the buildings uh, where it all started, AJ Video is one of the companies here. And so we have this very robust technology industry that all of a sudden when the internet happened, it became digital media. And so we do have a really hard time attracting, uh, they have a hard time attracting employees here because there's no internet at home. Uh, And again, like all the problems of rural America, uh, telemedicine, um, long distance learning, especially in this past year, actually this past year was quite exciting for me because as we're starting to build this new fiber project, I realized that everybody after 10 years of telling people why we needed it, finally got it. Uh, So that was uh, great uh, to have happen. So I came up with uh, kind of 11 different things uh, and I have little stories behind them uh, about what it takes to to build a fiber network. Uh, and this is not so much, you know, if, if you're an electrical co-op or if you're, you're a provider, a bigger provider already, you're already running this kind of business. But a lot of the builds that are happening are startups or people who are really, you know, being pioneers in this arena. So first you have to have a vision no matter what, actually, and even if you're a municipality, because broadband is indeed a public good. And we, uh, you know, we got that uh, email, I think it was in February of 2010, that Google said they were going to pick one community. And we thought, hey, why not pick us, right? we will be small, it'll be inexpensive. So we ran across to the uh, city manager's office and said, hey, can we put Nevada City on this application? They said yes. So we hosted this big event, And it was fun. Uh, We got, I don't know, probably about 700 people uh, in our town out for a parade. uh, And we started to educate people on what fiber was. So having a vision about, we didn't even, we we were just selling DSL and um, dial-up at that point and some web hosting. But we knew that that wasn't the future for our business. So perseverance is also part of it. Um, uh, I remember uh, we, we got these little beanie caps with the Spiral logo on it early on. And, and my goal when we went to Kansas City was to make sure that Milo Medin, who was directing the Google Fiber effort, got one of those, put it on, and I took a photo of him. And I did. Um, it was fun, you know, flirting with Google at the beginning, because when their marketing team was really running that, they were they were talking to everybody. And, it, you know, it obviously became a different effort near the end. But it was exciting to see that they uh, put, uh, you know, they made this state they made this uh benchmark that said this is what we want and people would say oh yeah what well, do you need a gigabit for we need a gigabit for but it turns out that we do and eventually we will really need that much more so uh than now and again keep going until you hit a wall in these processes So political will is really big. I I found that um, term a lot as we're talking to investors. They want to know what the political will is in the community. And luckily, um, I early on started talking to both our county supervisors, our city councils in both our cities, and really encouraged them to step up behind this. Initially, I got a lot of pushback, like, well, why should we support one provider? What if somebody else comes here and builds a fiber network, which made me laugh because you know, I, I, I kind of doubted that somebody else was going to do this, but that's what we, you know, they wanted to hear. So early on um, in our uh, process, we applied for a grant to uh, uh, with the California Public Utilities Commission. Uh, our uh, elected officials and um, county, uh, uh, we have a, a um, community college here. The dean of the college came, and we went down to the PUC and talked to all the commissioners to tell them why this. Uh, Uh, our project was important. And uh, the reason we did that is when we applied for this project, one of the fixed wireless providers did not want us to be here. And of course, they were touting a really huge coverage area, which I knew wasn't practical. We were very hilly. We're very forested, as you saw from the video. So we really needed the government uh, officials behind us to help us do this. Early on in the process, even before we or while we were applying for the grant, we felt it was important to educate. Uh, our community. And so we did a number of things. We started off by having community meetings, people would show up and we got huge, we got you know, 60, 70 people at these meetings, because internet is so needed here. And then uh, at one point, we had a, a, probably a, what I would call a premature launch, because we weren't uh, funded with the grant yet. But because I had gone to um, fiber, the home council at that time, conferences, Uh, and other conferences, I um, met a lot of people and uh, was fearless about approaching them. So Blair Levin, who uh, was one of uh, the drafters of um, the National Broadband Plan, and uh, then Mike Burke and Aaron Deacon from Kansas City came and spoke to our community and we held an event and it was free to come to, but you had to get tickets and we sold it out, 350 people showed up. Uh, Blair was blown away that this little town could produce this many people. Uh, but it was a way to not only, you know, we would entertain people, but we would also tell them why fiber was imperative. So educating the community and not just sending out brochures, but really talking about why, how does fixed wireless work? How does DSL work? How does cable work? Why are, is there congestion? Why, are, why is this happening? And so education is really big. I always felt that Think Big is good. I found out later that Think Big is really good when you're talking to investors. They don't want to invest in small projects, they want to invest in big projects. But um, we decided uh, on that same uh, weekend to actually uh, have a whole day workshop and we brought some folks in to facilitate that, to actually come up with a vision plan for Nevada County. What would our county look like uh, 10 years after this was built? And uh, so uh, we got everybody together. It was a big kind of, you know, local think tank, and we came out with this document. You can download it and read it. It's a great uh, uh, testament to our community. And what was great for me is everything I had been saying. Uh, our community actually came out with. They they finally understood what it what what it would do to our community uh, when it came. Be flexible uh, during this process, dear Lord. Um, uh, early on, uh, we were trying to find out how do you build a network? What do you do? And so we, uh, went to a, a provider in California. I won't mention any names, uh, who was doing some of this. And, uh, he kind of steered us in a different direction to sell a different product that was basically a different kind of DSL. So we went down to Sacramento and did this. And, um, uh, we pivoted to do this thinking that it would help our DSL service, uh, or business kind of clunk along while we were waiting for the uh, grant monies to come through. And uh, it turned out to be a horrible idea. Uh, breaking into a new market is not a great idea unless you really know the market. But um, being flexible and learning learning from that and then moving on from that. So flexi- flexibility through this process I found to be key. Partner wisely. I think it's really important to partner w- wisely. Um, uh, in California, uh, there's a middle mile project that was built with Ara funding, built by Vast Networks. We will be leveraging that. Um, and working with them uh, closely, uh, we were there from the beginning. I was there when they were breaking ground, and it, it's exciting uh, to continue that partnership and actually use them. You know, this is key. I, I think a lot of businesses take themselves too seriously, and I've always felt that fun is is a really big part of how you want to operate this especially when you're doing something of this scale um one thing this was our team over at spiral internet uh we, we actually changed the company name when we started to build fiber and uh it was a small team to start and we um i remember one day uh i just said it was i think it was the opening of one of the star wars movies and i said i didn't let anybody know but halfway through the day, I said, okay, we're, we're getting, we're heading out of here. We're going to the movies. And, uh, we had a great time doing that. And the same thing goes for vendors. Um, I know when the middle mile project was being built here, they had brought in a, a contractor from outside the state and they weren't really, uh, doing, the, I, I don't think they're doing their PR very well here. So the local newspaper interviewed some of the contractors. And uh, at one point in, in the newspaper, a contractor had said that this fiber network, because it was being, uh, Funded by the federal government, they were going to be spying on us through the fiber, and that it shouldn't really come in here. So, so you really have to (laughs) monitor some of that uh, as well uh, with the vendors that you work with. Organize, organize, organize. You know, traditional marketing, I don't think is is okay. You know, sending out postcards and doing social media, but I really think it does take a team of people to do this. Um, We happen to use COS service zones. Uh, and they have a great uh, part of that application is you can have uh, neighborhood champions. And in our Bright Fiber Network project, um, we, uh, in a, an area which had 2,900 homes, 26 square miles, we had 90 people sign up to be neighborhood champions. And we trained them. We all brought them into three-hour workshops where we talked to them about the technology. We showed them how to recruit people. And even before we even started to build, that before that network was started to be built, we had 20% deposits down on that uh, ahead of time. So it's really important to uh, organize, I believe, to organize a community around this so they understand why fiber is different. Um, Stay updated is a little plug for Fiber Broadband Association. Um, I remember when I went to my first uh, Fiber to the Home Council um, event in Orlando, and we decided to go to one of the white paper workshops a day early because we were all excited about it. So it was on WDM, um, and uh, I went. I, and I'm not a te- I'm not a technical person. I I know enough to get myself in trouble. But this was a this these were engineers developing WDM technology, and um, th- there were so many acronyms I could barely understand. It didn't seem like it was in English. And what was fascinating at that point in time is that particular venue, in it was early on uh, when ben- when venues didn't, when they offered wifi, but you paid for it a lot. Like, you know, it was like, I don't know, a hundred dollars for the weekend to do that. And so we went into the room, we couldn't find the service anywhere. I mean, this, I mean, this is not a critique of the fiber to the home console, it's a critique of the hotel. And so I spent a day not really understanding, but then we, of course, dove into the regular workshops. So going to conferences, learning about what's com- uh, happening, what's coming down the pike Clearly building a fiber network is much more than providing internet. We're gonna learn that as as we move forward. I mean, clearly with telemedicine and those beginning things, but there's a lot more coming. And then uh, my last slide, it's not one I follow very well, but vacation. It's important to unplug and get away while you do any of this work. It's very easy in this kind of business to get um, overwhelmed by it. I, I go to Burning Man every year, it's a picture of me. I volunteer at the gate, there's lots of dust, I get white. Um, but, you know, Hawaii, the beach, (laughs) the sand, very important to unplug and get away and not even uh, know what's going on. I remember one year, we were about to get funded for the project. And uh, I I, I was going to this event where there's really not great internet. And uh, I didn't want to go because we're about to hear something. And uh, the person who was looking over the uh, chief financial officer at that time said, "Um, just go, we'll find a way to reach you if we have to. So getting away is important. And uh, that's my quick assessment of our project and <laughs> what we're doing.
0: Great, John. Um, it, it, it seems like uh, you're on vacation all the time in Nevada City in a sense like that <laughs> it going to go? Uh, looks, looks wonderful. Uh, so I had some really good questions are coming in. You know, first of all, it's always really encouraging to hear how community le- leaders you know come to Fiber Broadband Association to our conferences and meetings and Participate to really figure out how to get fiber to their towns. So I always love hearing those stories. Uh, first question coming in for our audience, and this is a interesting question. So, what would your reaction be to a public-private grant loan project to install coax in 2021? Is that a good idea? If that's all it's offered, or do you just reject it as obsolete technology
1: and get nothing? Yeah, I, I can't see why you would do that. I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an engineer, uh, but I can't see why you wouldn't be forward thinking out the door. Um, you, know, if it's a green, you know, if it's a greenfield construction and you're going to put coaxial in, I, I, I don't understand. It doesn't it doesn't compute because w- one thing we're building here is we're building networks that are 50 to 100 years in the future safe. I mean, we're re- re- rebuilding, you know, the copper network that worked really great for voice for, you know, long time. And and we're rebuilding it. So I think it's imperative to do fiber. I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't do coaxal.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the same arguments that we're getting on, you know, with the LEO satellites, you know, that if you look at where those awards are, is it the Pacific Northwest, it's up the Appalachian Mountains. So basically it's these dense forests, um, mountainous regions and saying, well no one else is gonna do anything. So you know, wouldn't um, LEO satellite be better than nothing? Or, you know, fixed wireless access, which you've had, isn't that better than nothing? You know, so we are getting those kind of arguments of, you know, something's better than nothing.
1: Yeah, well, satellite, you know, the low-orbit satellites have to prove themselves. They're not operating really yet. And, you know, of course, the high, uh, uh you know, satellites are awful. I mean, I, you know, my business partner, because our CEO has satellite and it's just an awful experience. You know, she can barely use it. Once you use a certain amount of bandwidth, it's gone. I mean, clearly the low orbit might have a different business model, but. It's an
0: improvement over the geoset, but uh, so yeah, another question came in, and this is interesting. So, you know, you mentioned uh, California PUC grant. There's also, you know, a number of federal programs, you know, RUS, the uh, USF, uh, rural healthcare, schools and libraries and so forth. So how do you navigate these, um, Government subsidy programs because they're all not very consistent.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm really targeted in a specific region, so I know exactly what's available here. Um, unfortunately, the broadband maps, or you know, the the federal broadband map, you know, it just reflects the California broadband map. And what has happened in in our rural areas is fixed wireless providers. We have four fixed wireless providers here, and maybe they do 25% coverage. It's just impossible in a, you know, hilly mountainous you know, treat area t- to provide service, but they claim 100% coverage. So there's no RDOF, there's no, there's, there's very little cap to an RDOF. I'm just tiny little blobs all over the county. So that funding isn't even there for us, but, you know, I mean, what I recommend to other people, I mean, we, we did apply for an R grant way back when it actually was for a, a fixed wireless middle mile project at the time. This was back in 29, 2009. And that was a good idea at that time. It was modeled after the one they had done in Cambria County after Flight 93 had crashed because there was no public safety uh, uh, infrastructure there. So um, we were going to do that. So, you know, in some cases, yeah, I'd go at, I mean, definitely go after whatever's available uh, for funding.
0: And another really good question um, on, you know, the network that you're put in. So, did you put in? Uh deep like on a passive optical network or do you put in active e point to point
1: this is part of the process i didn't really talk about i had gotten uh, received the grant for what we call the Bread fiber network project which is in a 26 square mile area i had a really hard time raising 12 million dollars i found out later that Uh, as I mentioned in in the presentation, that uh, investors wanted to put more money in. They didn't want a $12 million project. I didn't have a pipeline. I didn't know, you know, I just wanted to get our project funded. So I wound up selling it to another provider, um, the grant money and and everything I had done, the environmental reports I had done, which allowed us to move forward and uh, do the next project. So our next project, I mean, that project is a GPON project. I'm not sure exactly the technology they're using. It's a different provider, but ours will be XGS PON. Uh, uh, We'll be all underground because we are a tier um, one fire area in California. And so we would prefer not to have, you know, the network burned down in case of a wildfire. Um, We are talking with the electrical utility about possibly doing some undergrounding jointly. We fear that will be a a, a good win-win situation. We don't know where that, Will go. It's it's a big utility, but it might happen.
0: So, ten gig symmetric uh, fiber. That sounds awesome. And why would you put anything else, right?
1: Well, well, yeah, and and part of it is what's happening. You know, because of the pandemic, and and we've had this uh, trickle before. Is you know we're located near the San Francisco Bay Area, so all of a sudden we are a very desirable place to live for people. And it's always shocking when people move up here. I remember having one call a number of years ago when we were running the internet service, uh, the DSL uh company we, we uh, somebody called in talked to me and said hey we're we just moved here we got this great house it's off the grid um we're all solar and we need internet and i go um you're off the grid there's no internet at your house like none
0: <laughs> hey can you talk to some of the specific nuances for uh network assets as a owner operator
1: network assets to uh, um uh, like what, tell me specifically what that question means. I mean, the value of it or what technology?
0: I don't know, Duane, you wanna add some more to that and um, I'll come back to that one.
1: I mean, I'm happy to talk about the vendors we're working with, we're happy with them too.
0: All right, so in addition to your volunteer service, does Spiral Flower provide services to Burning Man?
1: Oh, it does? No, no, we don't. (laughs) We don't provide services to Burning Man, no. All right. What
0: percentage of your financing is
1: government subsidy? Uh, none. so what we, in this next iteration of it we're we're building the ten thousand homes, about four hundred businesses, and out the door we're we're um, not doing any government funding uh, and, and and there's a reason behind that. We want to be situated and solid at least for phase one of it. Uh, And then uh, also the the California money that was available, the state had put 300 million toward funding uh, in areas that don't have broadband. Last May, they had um, all the grant applications were submitted in the first round and they scooped up 600 million. So there's not enough money uh, in the state to uh, get grants against it. And and like I said before, Ardoff and CAF2 are very small, limited areas. So if money becomes available and uh, uh, Governor Newsom has put a, a, statement out saying he wants a lot more money there and, and ab14 is the current legislation in play to put more money into that fund it actually comes from a telephone service uh, your telephone service is a tiny little bit of money that comes out each month like 15 cents or something and that goes into that fund over over the years so hopefully they're, they're going to like triple that amount of money and if that happens we will definitely use it for future phases
0: so what has been the uh community reaction i mean Providing well, 10 gig metric services, I imagine you're a local hero.
1: But. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. <laughs> go to the grocery store. Well, I mean, the, the bad part is you go to the grocery store and everybody wants to talk internet, which you know I don't want to do all the time. But yeah, I, you know, it, it, um, people are excited about it, and um, you know, the project that I first got funding for is is um, nearing completion. So people are starting to get gig service here. So the buzz is here. I mean, it's great that another provider took took it on, and and uh, is building it and people are getting, being connected but the excitement is in the air so now everybody wants it and that's a very small area so so they they were thrilled when we announced in december that we were going to continue to do more here um, so uh and it's needed i mean the the pandemic if anything showed how ridiculous having dsl and satellite and and, and some people actually have dial up still in our area uh you can't work from you can't work from home uh, reliably, reliably and, and forget school Hey, um, I did have a question for your website address. That's yeah, just, we're at spiral.com. Oh. There's nothing there. We're launching uh, in February the new site. Um you, you could stay tuned and go to you know spiral.com later, <laughs> uh probably uh end of February. Nothing there yet. We, we just announced we're gonna we're gonna start aggregating uh customers using the COS service zones in February, and that's when we'll be doing the big first marketing push for this. we're we're, we're in the kind of final uh, talks with uh, in uh, investors, and so we're getting close to being uh, funded, so fingers crossed
0: but well, John, i, I watched uh, the the Bloomberg story that came out on um Christmas Eve, I guess just uh, mm-hmm. right,
1: right
0: a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a great video and a great story. And you know just from the the little uh, vignettes in that um, story about all the people who moved there for you know, quality life and then realized that, oh, they should have checked and see if they get internet and we're having dial up. Um, you know, what is the economic impact to Nevada City now that you're a 10 gig
1: city? Well, you know, we're it's just starting. <laughs> Clearly it's just starting. Um, we'll see that in the years to come. I think what will happen is, is we're gonna attract more business here, obviously. And that means more jobs will be stay here. A lot of people drive what we call down the hill. To sacramento to go to work because there aren't as many jobs here as could be we do have a dead vibrant you know video tech industry um but beyond that um you know we're, we're touristy you know i mean we're i mean which is good I mean, you know we have a lot of tourists who come here to visit um but i think it will change um uh the economy in a way that hasn't hasn't happened probably since the gold rush
0: well that's awesome john And, you know, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we greatly appreciate your industry leadership and for sharing the Nevada City journey, you know, with our audience today. Um, So I hope you all join us again for Fire for Breakfast next Wednesday, where we'll be discussing Georgia's recent broadband decisions with uh, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, Tim Echos. Again, thanks for joining us and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday.